We'll start with the obvious, Professor Achkar, the huge explosion in Beirut's port early last month, which left hundreds dead and devastated large swathes of the city. Almost 3,000 tonnes of ammonium nitrate had been negligently criminally stored in a warehouse for six years previously without proper supervision or safety protocols. It was a great human tragedy, one which was quickly seen as emblematic of a general social and political crisis in Lebanon. What was the wider significance of the disaster in your assessment? Um, well, I mean, if you say the, the, the wider significance, of course, that is going beyond the uh, particulars if you know, of this uh, explosion. But I would uh, like to start by saying that uh, uh, I, I doubt we will uh, anytime soon have any clear idea of, uh, of the particulars of that explosion because everything is so opaque in Lebanon. There is no uh, real uh, 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 rule of law, if you want, and really functioning state. And, and there has been a refusal by the uh, authorities to allow for an international uh, investigation. So it is uh, uh, very, very unlikely that uh, we, we, we get to uh, any kind of clarity about why this had been this amount, terrible amount of uh, ammonium nitrate had been left for six years in a major warehouse that is if even you think of the cost the economic cost of keeping that in a, you know of mobilizing a whole very centered house in a port that wouldn't make sense so uh, when you add to this that uh, this was highly explosive material left there for so long this is uh, uh, of course, the very least you could say about it is that it is criminal negligence. And despite the scale of the disaster and the way it's rocked Lebanese society, you, you think that it's unlikely that it will be a turning point in terms of sweeping away uh, corruption? As you've mentioned, there's no prospect of an international investigation or indeed uh, any kind of independent uh, domestic uh, investigation. Right. No, I mean, unfortunately, it can't be a turning point in itself because you would need uh, some leverage to change things. And uh, at the very beginning, the uh, protest movement that uh, started in Lebanon uh, in October last year, in October 2019, uh, this uh, popular protest movement uh, which uh, um, uh, chose for for a central slogan, all of them means all of them, and the slogan ma- meaning that they reject the whole ruling class, uh, all components together, without uh, rejecting the 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 usual uh, divisions, sectarian divisions. Uh, uh, political—I mean, religious sectarian divisions, uh, political uh, 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 chapels, or whatever you would call them—that uh, that control the the, the country and the, the the state. So this movement uh, hoped for a while, just in—I mean—in the immediate aftermath of the explosion, that such a huge event 
such an obvious criminal negligence of, of, of the state in all its components, because for six years everybody ruled in Lebanon, everybody had a share of responsibility. Uh, they, 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 they believe that this would lead to, to this, uh, the whole institution collapsing, uh, and you had a beginning of MPs resigning, uh, uh, and uh, so the, the belief was that uh, finally the movement could get what they want, which is a government that is <clears throat> in, uh, a, transist- a transitory government that would be <clears throat> dependent um, of the... Uh, from the uh, the ruling class in all its components, and uh, new elections on the basis of a new electoral law that uh, would uh, uh, be different from the existing one, which is uh, just designed to reproduce the same ruling class. With uncanny timing, one might argue, only a fortnight after the port explosion, the Special Tribunal for Lebanon, based in The Hague, delivered its findings after a years-long investigation into the assassination of former Prime Minister Rafiq Hariri. A low-ranking member of Hezbollah was declared guilty of the crime, while three other Hezbollah suspects were exonerated. What does the assassination and indeed the trial itself reveal about the intrigues and the complexities of Lebanese politics? Well, I mean, the the, the fact is that this uh, so-called special tribunal to Lebanon could not go anywhere. And, uh, you know, how can you do an investigation if you can't? Interrogate the uh, principal, the, 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 the those who are suspected, the, the, the alleged perpetrators, and you can't be, be, interrogate be, be behind them the forces that stand behind them. In this case, uh, you have two of them: uh, Hezbollah on the one hand, and uh, the Syrian government, the Syrian state on the other hand. So this uh, special tribunal was a failure. I mean, they only established uh, the evidence for the uh, uh, direct participation of one person uh, uh, among the, 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 the accused in the, in the, in the assassination. Uh, they, have, they have high suspicion about the rest, but didn't, they didn't have the, the concrete evidence uh, needed for a tribunal to, 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 uh, to, to, to condemn, you know. And that's, that's the point. And that's why I'm saying also that, that we, we won't know any, any, any time soon uh, what really was behind this, uh, the, the, the fact that you had 3,000 or close to 3,000 tons of nitrate ammonium in the heart of a port for six years, I mean, this, this is just uh, unbelievable. Uh, but uh, to, to, to get back to the, the, the point of, uh, of, uh, of, of the, the protest movement, uh, the, the hopes of the protest movement were were dissipated, were thwarted by, by the French intervention, the intervention of the French president, uh, who came uh, to, uh, a couple of days after the, the, uh, the blast, uh, and then uh, later on, a few days ago, uh, to celebrate, uh, unbelievably, but it's to celebrate the beginning of French colonialism in Lebanon. I mean, uh, I wrote a piece at the time saying that, uh, I mean, this is quite uh, quite something that the country, instead of uh, celebrating its independence, is celebrating the beginning of colonialism uh, and in the presence of the representative of the colonial state, <clears throat> because uh, France had the colonial mandate over Lebanon after the First World War. So uh, 
France, I mean, the, the French president played a key role in, in uh, uh, trying to consolidate the existing ruling class to reestablish the, the kind of coalition within this ruling class that has been ruling the country for, for decades now. And, uh, 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 you know, all this in, 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 uh, in trying to uh, secure uh, uh, French influence in the country within uh, the, the uh, ongoing uh, uh, competition that is going, uh, that we are seeing in the Mediterranean between various powers and especially between France and Turkey. The backdrop of all of these events is a massive economic crisis confronting the people of Lebanon with unemployment over 30%, the currency collapsing in value, regular electricity outages in the capital and food prices skyrocketing. You've talked about the anti-government uh, protest, Professor Achkar. Just how hard is daily life in Lebanon at the moment and how much is this economic crisis been the combustible material, if you like, that has uh, helped fuel these anti-government protests over the course of the last 12 months? Well, it's absolutely huge. Uh, it's just that over the, the, those last few months since uh, October, uh, the, the, the number of people under the poverty line in Lebanon has more than doubled. And it is now more than half the population that stand below the poverty line, the national poverty line. That is absolutely huge. Not to mention, yes, indeed, the, the, the number of unemployed and who are part now, many of them are part of these, of this, uh, of people uh, below the poverty line. Uh, this has become absolutely huge because there have been hundreds of thousands of of people uh, who are t- turned jobless in a country of only four million people. Uh, uh, so you, you you have a lot of problems accumulating there, and uh, this has exploded last year. Uh, um, when the economy started collapsing, this is an economy that was built on speculative uh, schemes, banking schemes, uh, through which uh, uh, some people, uh, uh, part of this uh, kind of uh, conglomerate between the banking sector and the ruling class, uh, made billions of dollars and made billions of dollars that they they deposited abroad, they invested or deposited abroad. And, uh, and uh, at some point, this whole scheme had to collapse. Uh, I mean, it was known for several years that it was going to collapse. Uh, many people were just, I mean, the, the question was more, why hadn't it collapsed yet? And then it happened. It happened as was expected by so many experts and those who knew about the, the reality. And, and this caused, I mean, this is another criminal negligence. We're seeing criminal negligence about the explosion, but all the country is victim of all forms of criminal negligence because when you, you, you let an economy get to the point of uh, collapse as it is now with the uh, local currency uh, 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 just uh, falling abruptly in, in such a way. I mean, it turned from um, 1,500 uh, uh, from the local units of the local currency for the dollar to, to it reached at some point 10,000, just over a few, a few months. So this is a huge of uh, purchase power for, for uh, the people who, are, who, don't, who don't have dollars and, and there are a majority in the country, and in a country which imports 
most of what it consumes. So it gives you an idea of, of the severity of the problem, which is absolutely huge, and this is why you had this big protest movement. But it is uh, facing very difficult conditions <clears throat> because uh, you have this rotten state, rotten corrupt state on the one hand. You also have a state within the state, which is Hezbollah, which is uh, a state uh, directly linked to a foreign state, which is Iran, and which is openly taking its orders from Iran, so uh, and is uh, more powerful militarily than the, <clears throat> than the official state. So, I mean, instead of facing one state, the protest movement is facing two, and that's a huge task. And it's not very, I mean, it's difficult to, to see how it could get beyond, but how uh, real uh, progress could be achieved. I think the key would be the ability or not of the protest movement to organize. You've just talked about all those difficulties facing the protest movement, Professor Archkar, and yet the protests do continue and they've been widespread and at times very large and, and sustained over a long period of time now, despite the state repression you've talked about and the disruptions of a global pandemic as well. They're protests which have been characterised, as you've said, by a rejection of the entire political class, not just the incumbent government. In which direction then do you think might this movement go? And, and what are the politics of the movement, broadly speaking? It seems to me that one of the really very positive aspects of the movement is, it, is its non-sectarian character, for instance. And of course, the Lebanese state is very much founded on the sectarianism coming out of the French colonial period and, and the civil war. Yeah, well, uh, I was pointing to the fact that uh, indeed you, you have a some positive steps uh, have happened recently uh, within the protest movement uh, because there's a, an increasing conscience of the fact that uh, without uh, proper organization, uh, you, you can't uh, go very far. You know, for, uh, just to take an example, in Algeria, you had for one year huge demonstrations every, every week, every, every Friday. And, uh, and uh, well, they, they couldn't achieve... Uh, their their real their central objectives uh, because they weren't they didn't have uh, uh, any form of organization that could speak for them and i mean, mean by that could be a very democratic organization uh, i'm not speaking of any kind you know of uh, of uh, of uh, a leader or whatever but uh, but you you need some form of organization that represents the movement and that is what is needed in lebanon uh, plus the fact that of course, uh, to, 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 to overcome this, uh, this whole uh, terrible legacy of, of decades of corruption, uh, you need to get out of the neoliberal system, of the, this whole neoliberal uh, paradigm which has presided over uh, the, 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 the so-called reconstruction of Lebanon after its long civil war, that is, after 1990. And uh, you need to reconstruct uh, a, a social state providing for for the the, the, the needs uh, of the people that is absolutely uh, central. Finally, Professor Achkar, Lebanon has long been a plaything of the imperialist powers and a pawn in regional power games involving Iran, Syria, Saudi Arabia and Israel. And of course, you've talked about the role of France in recent times of post the Port explosion. But looking into the future, how likely is it, do you think, that uh, given the, the dynamics of the protest movement and, and everything that's going on, how likely is it that the Lebanese people will be able to, at some point in the future, once and for all, forge their own independent path in the world? 
or will they yet again become victims of foreign manipulations? Well, that's why I said it's, uh, it's, uh, we have to, to be realistic. It is very, very difficult. It's a very difficult task. The country has been basically ruled since, uh, the, as I said, the end of the war, the, the, its long civil war. So since 1990, which means uh, 30 years now, by a kind of uh, uh, agreement between foreign sponsors, on the one hand, the United States of America, plus the uh, major regional ally, uh, the Saudi Kingdom. On the other hand, uh, the Syrian regime and uh, later on Iran increasingly. And now, because of the change, the balance of forces uh, between Iran and Syria, it's more Iran than Syria since the Syrian government has been extremely weakened by, by the war in Syria itself. So, I mean, these governments plus the French now re-intervening uh, uh, very uh, uh, centrally, I mean, you have some kind of competition over control of this country. This country has, uh, even historically, for, if you take the role, uh, since the 19th century, and even, uh, or even if you take it since uh, its creation in the present borders, which goes back to one century ago, 1920, uh, this country has permanently been ruled by foreign control, foreign influences, foreign powers. And indeed, it needs to, to get rid of that. But to get rid of that, you need the people. You need a people able to assert its own sovereignty. When the people asserts its sovereignty, its popular sovereignty, then you can get national sovereignty. You can get real independence from uh, imperialism 